don't talk about rats, I see when I'm dead. When I'm dead. Motherfucker wanna come through tripping. Listen, I'ma rip it, I'ma kung fu, kung fu. Tell them I'm ready if you wanna Welcome everybody to True Zach Show. I'm here with Travis, and we're joined by our special guest, Dan Martinez, uh, the uh, founder of the San Jose Dog Rescue and Outreach Program. Sorry, but um, this is really cool. I have to explain this really quick. Uh, first, though, Dan, what's up? How you doing? Good, man. Nice to see you. Thanks for uh, having me on. Absolutely. So, um, as everyone knows who've watched this channel, the 10 people who tune in, but 10's better than zero, as I'd say. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I am a battle rap fan. I was a bigger fan back then. Now it's a little just harder to follow me getting older and 20 leagues, 100 rappers, and oh, yeah. hour and a half movie type battles. And I'll <laughs> reserve what I have to say for how it is now, because I some people would consider me an old head who's the guy yelling at the lawn, you know, things like that. But uh, anyway, sure. Dan here used to battle rap, so I followed him on Twitter and Instagram, and and then I saw he started this program, and I was like, oh, battle rap and dogs, this is cool. Mm -hmm. So I reached out to Dan, um, and he was nice enough to come on. This is like the first animal rescue um, shelter type um, person or organization I've had on. So Dan, thank you very much. Awesome, man. Happy to be here. Like I said, uh, any opportunity to spread the word about the work we're doing and just, uh, you know, the, the crisis that we're in in general is uh, I'm going to take it for sure. Yeah. Okay. So I want to start there too. Um, I don't want to touch too much on, I will do a whole other episode on your battle rapping, but like, did you, were you battle rapper turned dog lover or dog lover turned battle rapper? Um, we, I guess, I mean, my love for dogs certainly predates, uh, the rescue. My first dog, Lily is eight years old now and she's a rescue. Mm -hmm. Um, and I kind of just like my family always had dogs and I always wanted a dog when I was a kid. My parents wouldn't let me have one. When I got old enough and had a, a place that would accommodate a dog, I, I got a rescue. Um, my wife, uh, her mother has always fostered for rescues. And there was always a lot of rescues around uh, our family. So like kind of came natural to us. And uh, I feel like I I didn't really think about it until it became my job. But like Ooh. this is kind of probably what I was always supposed to be doing. That's awesome, man. Cool. Now, when you when you say you just got your first dog older in life, um, uh, how how did you choose it and what breed did you pick you know like how did that happen or did it choose you as they say well um me and my wife really wanted a dog we were living in apartments we had cats uh we finally got into a place with the backyard and we were like okay it's time to get a dog so we just started looking for rescues you know what i mean because yeah because of my mother-in-law we knew you don't buy dogs from breeders and uh you always take an opportunity to rescue a dog, whether it be from the shelter or from a rescue organization. So in like looking up dogs that were available for adoption, we seen this cute little, uh, you know, what we assume, cause I've never done a DNA test on her is, is like a pit Dotson mix, like a little <laughs> wiener dog pit bull thing. Okay. She was a pit bull with tiny little legs. You know what I mean? And I just thought that was super cool. So, uh, we drove out to Lodi, which is like an hour and a half away from where I am and met her and met the rescue and uh filled out the application i had to write like an essay right. about why i wanted her you know like the standards were high for adoption which i i didn't i didn't really think about until now until we started adopting dogs out 
like, yeah, that's awesome. That's definitely the way to do it. If you're a, a rescue, you want to make sure that the person who adopts your dog is someone who's actually going to care for it, not just put it in the backyard. So, um, you know, we, uh, we applied, we were accepted. Lily came home, they dropped her off to us and she's been my baby girl, uh, for the last eight years now. Funny story with us. So I grew up with all my old dogs. My parents had like five golden retrievers when I was growing up. And, um, I got into a condo with my wife and my wife never had a dog. And I, you know, I, I didn't, that means I didn't have a dog. I lived at home and then I lived uh, in the condo for seven months without coming home to a dog. And I think you're going to feel what I feel here. After I lived with one, I can't picture coming home without it's one of those things. So I go to my wife, my house, my condo just feels empty. I need a dog. So that was my wife's first dog. We adopted her dog, Tino. He's a, he's a dachshund beagle mix. And, and my wife, my wife driving home was like, when he gets home, he's not allowed on the bed. He has restrictions on the couch and I'm driving laughing. I'm like, yeah, okay. You have no idea. By three hours, this dog was running the house and now it's her little baby. And it's yeah. ours. So then we adopted a brother for him, uh, Paulie, who's a Chihuahua dachshund. So we have Tino and Paulie named after Yankees in the uh, Dynasty era. And um, <laughs> okay, yeah. And uh, so they are the best. Um, but I-, I think you're feeling it now. How great it is to have one. And I mean, you're surrounded by them all day. Travis, you're a cat guy, but you love animals. Yeah. Look at them. Yeah. Look at <laughs> oh my god. That's yeah, Lily. This is probably Adorable. a yellow lab Dotson mix. She's a, a yeah. little short leg uh, Dotson. And hey, I feel you there, Travis. I'm a cat guy too. Like I just can't have cats yeah. anymore. We had cats when we started the rescue, and then we started. Right. They passed away. We started bringing home big dogs that have high prey drives. So I can't really get a cat anymore. You can't have both of them. Yeah. yeah. No. Totally. Yeah. Dan, my, my wife wants to kill me because every time I show her your page with the rescues, she's like, "Where are they? Can he ship them out to New Jersey? I want them all." <laughs> And I'm like, we can't have more than two right now. It's just hard. But I always tell her we adopted two, which means we saved another two because it opened up room for two more. That's how I look at it, right? Uh, Yeah, definitely. definitely. Now, Dan, you you mentioned uh, a crisis going on with the adoption stuff, but I do want to know how you got into this entire foundation. Like when you really woke up and decided, all right, I want to start this organization. So, um pandemic gave us all an opportunity to uh not work i suppose and that's when i that's when i started this thing so yeah you're right yeah yeah that's (laughs) when you gave us all an opportunity to follow our dreams i guess by not having a a, like a steady work schedule my wife is a hairdresser and i did this kind of stuff you know podcasting run a battle league uh being a musician right um so i was like okay uh let me take this opportunity to uh, help out dogs in the neighborhood. And that's kind of how it started. We were just, that's why it's called Adopt My Block. There's a lot of dogs out here. We'd walk our girl and we'd see dogs living outdoors, uh, no dog houses. Um, people just, you know, that maybe needed a little bit of help to take care of their animals. And rather than kind of like be rude about it, we figured out ways to be, uh, you know, to get without being like judgmental, saying like, hey, Maybe you want a doghouse. Maybe we can give you a doghouse. Look, you hmm. pitched your something bad. I know you. <laughs> Look at yeah. this is my little start leg. Yeah, you're good. <laughs> those legs. What I'm working on right now. But uh, yeah, we started the rescue. Come here. You sit right next to me so you don't do dumb stuff. Bop, 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 bop. Uh, and and it just became my whole life. Right, we were in the pandemic for what two years, 
So all it might have been a little longer out in California. Yeah, yeah California. for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, was, it was a full two years before it, when people were back to like regular work. So that being the case, we were like, um, I was all the way in. You know, uh, we became a nonprofit in March of 2020. So like pretty much at the beginning of the pandemic. And by 2022, when people started to go back to work, I was like, well, this is what I'm doing for the rest mm. of my life now. And it was, it, you know, to be fair, like it's my first real job. I worked as a rapper and a battle rapper and, you know, uh, other nefarious activities until I had a real job, which is dog rescue. And, and I kind of fell right into it. You know what I mean? That's awesome, man. Travis, anything? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I have a question. So how does one go into just starting a rescue, like, officially? Yeah. Like, are you just, yeah, like, just grabbing dogs into your house, or you, you do you have, like, your own place for it? Well, yeah, so I we operate out of the home, um, and uh, we are a foster-based organization. So yeah. uh, ultimately what we're trying to do is mimic a home environment for dogs that are either coming from the shelter or the street so that they are ready to go into a home. Um, cool. What I never want to do, even if I have enough space for it, is have a bunch of dogs in kennels or have dogs that I don't have time for. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, so we typically are operating between three and five dogs at a time that we're trying to find homes for. And okay. I have I, I have four dogs now that are mine that aren't going anywhere. And that's <laughs> kind of par for the course. I'm maxed out. I can't keep any more dogs. So as much as I love Pidge, uh, she's going to have to get adopted. Um, when my wife watches this episode, she's going to ask if we can adopt that dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll put Pidge on a plane. Yeah, she's a mess, man. We're we're working on this one. We get, we're working potty training, crate training. We're, she got sent back from the shelter twice. Mm. Uh, so I, I'm going to make sure that it's it doesn't happen a third time by giving her some structure before we send her out again. But as far as like how you get into it, you know, like I want to say like haphazardly uh by making mistakes um okay. try like i feel like we were an annoyance to the shelter when we started and now like we're a full ally and and like they they you know uh we work with them very closely uh in the beginning you're just trying to help out whatever dogs you come across and uh i learned over time you know my limitations there was times i had 10 13 dogs here you know and i'm bouncing oh, yeah. from room to room uh you know not getting sleep, uh, not operating at uh, optimum efficiency, and then not giving the dogs the attention that they deserve. So I figured out over the last four, almost five years, how to do this job effectively, and I'm still learning every single day. How hard is it to get rid of, like you said you have four, like how hard is it to actually like let go when it's one that you're just like so attached to? You know? The hardest part of the job. That's it absolutely the hardest part of the job. Um, aside from like, you know, losing dogs and letting them go, is, you know, like when yeah. it's their time, which also sucks. But really, the, worst thing, the worst thing of all time, the worst, one of the worst experiences in life. Yeah, but it, yeah. I look at it entirely different now. Okay. Because well, I get dogs that sometimes are living such bad lives for, you know, 10 years and then we get them and we give them one good year and their their bodies just break down and fall apart a lot of times like living in a backyard or living in a rough environment they don't have time to focus on the things that are you know gonna hurt them eventually or take them out long term and then once they get into a comfortable environment all of a sudden they get cancers and their you know yeah. joint problems and all these things start to manifest so we mm -hmm. you know sometimes we're only able to give a dog a year 
um, and then letting them go, that's the only way we get even with these dogs. As far as like, they give us unconditional love. We give them an opportunity to go in dignity with in peace with, with them, you know, holding yeah. them like that's, that's the only time that we'll ever be able to make it even with these dogs. So like as much as it, that is a terrible part of the job, I also look at it as like a huge responsibility and my opportunity to give these dogs back from what they gave to me. You know what I mean? Um, and uh, letting them go when they're ready for adoption, like I'm going to have to let Pidge go uh, in a week or two is harder in a sense because like, you fall in love with them and you know that you could spend the rest of your life with that dog. Yeah, yeah, man, I could I could have five dogs. Why not? I could have five. But it's not fair to her, you know? Uh, she deserves to be somebody's number one. She deserves to be a part of a pack that can give her the attention that she needs. And I'm limited, you know what I mean? Yeah, and the dogs right. that are here with me, they have fallen into order. They're here for specific reasons. A lot of them have long health issues. Um, and that I couldn't pass off to other people. So, uh, you know, I don't feel that same sense of like, uh, I'm being selfish with them because I don't think people could give them the care that we could give them just financially. As far as like, you know, some of these dogs, medical bills get up, up, up there, 10,000, $20,000, you know what I mean? And yeah. you can't just give a person a dog and then be like, oh yeah, it's going to cost you, you know, uh, 20 racks to keep this dog alive for another year or two. Like it's not yeah. reasonable. So in those instances, we, we keep the dogs or we put them with fosters where we handle all the medical and then we're, you know, we're a part of their lives until they're ready to go. But with dogs like Pidge, it's like, you know, she can go live her, she's nine, 10 months old. She can go live her whole life and be somebody's number one or a part of a small pack and get all the attention and love she needs. And I can never do that for her. So that's how I rationalize that. You know, we just had a dog named Churro that I got off the street. Oh, man. I love that dog. And uh, I'm going to go sign the contract for him tonight. And that, yeah, that, that one hurts, man, because he could totally yeah. be here. He, he could be my road dog. He could be my ace. But he deserves more than that. That's um, really quick, Trav. Sorry, that's the one photo, Churro, I, I showed my wife and she wanted. It was Churro. Oh, man, yeah. That was dog, true. you never believe what people throw away man somebody just let that dog out of a car somewhere and never came back and the reason i know that is because dogs when they run away they keep going right but when they stay in a specific area for a week it's because someone left them there and they're waiting for a person to come back for them you know that's so and, uh, upsetting i want to murder those people i i hate that i fucking hate that like i get so mad like my dog tino the story was he was left in missouri behind a dumpster like covered in yeah. his own feces and it, yeah. my wife is like if i ever found out who did that to our dog i would kill them <laughs> yeah man God. i mean it's that's another hard part of the job too is, is sometimes you have to look the abusers of these dogs in the face oh. and, and smile in their face and uh not be you know confrontational or rude to them because that's not going to get you the dog you know what i'm saying mm. So, like, there are instances where I've had to, you know, like, make an abuser feel good about giving me their dog. And, you know, in the back of my head, knowing, man, this person's a piece of shit, you know. But yeah. it's like that, no, like, saying that, expressing that publicly even is not going to help me get other dogs. Uh, yeah. help, you know what I mean? So, like, we don't do shame. We don't do negativity. I don't, I'm not the guy who's like, you got to adopt this dog in three days or it's going to die. You know what I mean? Like we don't do that stuff because 
it's not uh i feel like a lot of people know how bad it is but um even if they don't it's not conducive to getting a dog adopted you know i'm guilty someone into an adoption i i end up helping people rehome dogs who they got from the shelter because of a post where the, the dog was red flagged and if it didn't get out of the shelter in x amount of days it was going to get uh put down and then they get the dog home and they're like oh i can't have this dog you know it's too big it's got behavior issues it's got all these problems and i'll do whatever i can to help either them keep that dog or them uh find a new home for that dog where someone can give them the care it needs but it's like you yeah. know uh that if i set up those kind of adoptions then i'm going to be rehoming my own dogs so sure. i don't need that kind of adoption right go on trav what do you it's like granting yeah. adoption right yeah. so with with the dogs you got um are they so you got your four main dogs now and like are they mingling with the adoption dogs too like they're in the same area absolutely yeah we don't we don't uh i've had dogs that are dog aggressive and i have an area to separate dogs that are dog aggressive but like i'm not I, i'm not signing up for that you know that's something if i if i figure out is the case then i'll make an adjustment but uh -huh. um it's easier for the the way that i have to rationalize that is sometimes you have to say no what do you got in your mouth pidge i swear to god <laughs> come here come here and sit right here the way i have to rationalize that is, is i can help more dogs if i help dogs that don't have issues with aggression towards people or uh other dogs and they're literally the shelter is filled with adoptable dogs literally thousands upon thousands of adoptable dogs that don't have aggression issues that don't have health issues are euthanized every year just simply because people don't have the uh time to take care of them or the shelter doesn't have the space to take care of them, right so like yeah. i got to make sure that i can the dogs that i work with are going to be able to be adopted so that i can pull another one of those dogs you know what i mean we cool. we had a dog yeah. here for a long time joey for two years he was he had bit somebody to stitches he was on his way to the to the chamber so to speak and uh we we rescued him but him being here for two years meant that a lot of other dogs couldn't be here so i would not sign up for that again just because of that and it's unfortunate and eventually someday we will have the space to be able to accommodate more dogs like that but for now we can't yeah well, when you were talking about the medical uh so how does how does it work if it builds up do you get like how does a um foundation work is there grants that come in yeah, yeah. How, how does that work we're all we're we are constantly raising funds we're constantly mm -hmm. in fundraising mode so that hat you're wearing right now uh is one of the ways that we raise funds sell merchandise uh i have fundraisers like less in the winter because it's harder for people to come out but like typically tw two times a month three times a month sometimes every weekend we're out raising funds either like at a restaurant doing like a dine for a day thing where a portion of the proceeds go to our rescue and then we're there selling t-shirts and sweaters and stuff um people just make monetary donations uh you know often enough to keep us in the game we have a patreon which uh people pledge monthly and then we get a couple uh general operating grants and uh those are really like the lifeblood of our organization so like hopefully in the future we can get more because the more money we have the more dogs we can save just straight up it's it's uh it's that kind of world and vet services have only become more and more expensive over the last yeah. uh 
five years that I've been doing this, it's it's really like it's crazy how much this stuff costs now. You know. Yeah. yeah. Who gives you those grants? Like, who's like a big donator or doing that? So there are different organizations that um, will like they have like a large sum of money from like a trust, and then they pick, you know, however many organizations that they want to donate to. Um, uh, there's one called the Seattle Foundation uh, that has donated to us annually for the last two years. And then there's another one called the Satterberg Group that's done the same. Blessed to have those. Uh, I, you don't even know how you end up on these people's radar. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes yeah. just a big check comes in the mail and you're like, oh my God, this is amazing. Yeah. Um, but it's rough because you want, then you like kind of count on that. And it's like this year, I don't know, like I'm not on the phone like hey are you guys gonna send us a big check again you know what i mean so like <laughs> i think that they're coming but yeah. i don't know you know yeah, so i have to just constantly be in fundraising mode and i'll tell you what they ain't here yet and it's february and i'm good at spending money on these dogs so uh i'm already like in this in the mode to save for a surgery we have on the 22nd uh knee surgery for one of our dogs who had a knee surgery last year, but when you blow out one knee, the other one's going to go too. So, and that's 5,700. So that's going to put us flat. So hopefully one of those grants comes uh, or else we're going to be scrambling. But it, the reality is kind of, you're always going to be scrambling. Right. It feels like you're always going to be, I hate to use the term like in the red, like, uh, like two steps behind. Right now, now when you can't fund it, like you don't have to share this if you don't want, but if you don't get that grant, do you and your wife come out of pocket for that? absolutely yeah yeah okay sure. well i god, mean like god bless I, you man god bless you guys so i you know i pay myself uh less than minimum wage to do this job yeah, yeah, yeah. i'm fortunate to have some income come in from my days as a musician that still comes you know mm -hmm. uh and um my wife works so uh we you know yeah in the beginning it was all coming out of pocket the first yeah. two years was just uh, us spending our own money on this shit and then we started getting these grants and then we started getting better at fundraising and uh you know now it's like if like last year i paid myself less than the year before because we had more expenses you know what i mean all so right. like it sometimes it, it and it may be if like if we don't get big old grants this year then i won't pay myself at all and every dollar we get will go to these dogs and i'm doing this job 24 7 like i i haven't had a day off since i started the rescue in march of 2020 so uh yeah it is rough i mean and that or march of 2020 is when we got our nonprofit status 2019 in the summer is when we started the rescue so like yeah uh four and a half years going on uh five years this year i haven't had a day off just been doing this nonstop um and it's rough and i and i get tired <laughs> to, to say the least but i feel like we're working towards a point where i will be able to take some time off we're expanding our team we added a, a an executive director this year who's just made a huge difference as far as our ability to get dogs adopted so um as our team grows and as our resources grow as we uh have more infrastructure then i'm moving closer to a point where i'm not just burning the candle at both ends but right. i'm still i'm still in burning the candle at both ends mode right yeah. now now if you have a dog right. that if you have a dog because my dog tino uh got diagnosed last year in uh diabetes 
So we have mm-hmm. to wake up every 12 hours, give them shots uh, with insulin. If you have a dog that you find with a pre-existing condition like that, how, how do you handle that? You, uh, you deal with it, you know, like again, um, we, you know, I have a choice of what dogs that we can help. And I try to help the dogs that are trapped in the shelter or on the street that are highly adoptable, but you don't find out sometimes that these dogs have pre-existing conditions until they're in your care. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So, uh, when you do, uh, for me, these dogs have became my dogs, like, uh, our English bulldog yeah I, I couldn't adopt him out because i just feel like his health issues even now are extreme and they're only going to get worse over time um and then i have like a dog that's like had serious behavior issues that we've had to turn around but she's still not easy she's not going anywhere um and that i don't think in the future like i've gotten better at getting like getting these dogs the training that they need and i've oh learned a little more about how to train these dogs myself so like i don't think i'd take any in any more behavior issue dogs but yeah if we get a dog if i got a dog like that that had a diabetes issue that of course i wouldn't know about until it was already in my care yeah i'm either gonna put them with a foster and then help that foster cover the uh medical which means that they're they're gonna handle getting the dog its food every day and all the basic care for the dog but when that dog needs to go to the vet for crazy stuff we get the call and we're gonna mm. be the ones um this this knee surgery dog uh that's a lot of money dude five thousand dollars for each knee um most people out here are living check to check so they you can't expect someone to take on a, a dog and then be like oh yeah that, yeah that five thousand dollars that's your problem i think a lot of rescues are like that we're not uh i wouldn't i i consider everybody who adopts a dog from us to be part of our rescue family um which means like i i got your back forever you know what i mean like as long as that dog is around then i'm here to help you out in any way i can um so we pull together and we make these things happen and that's just kind of the nature of the job nice uh, go on trev yeah, I mean, that's incredible. I mean, good on you. Like, it's a hell of a commitment you guys made. And, like, that's tough stuff. And that's, you know, you're dealing yeah. with so many, like, bad people. And you're trying to find the good people that you can handle these dogs. And, yeah, yeah there's, like, a, there's a special a lot place of emotion in heaven. To deal with. Yeah. Yeah. Special place in heaven for you guys. I'll say that, man. Yeah. Now, what's the I, don't, I tell you what, I try not to, like, operate on karma. Um, not only because I don't believe in it in any way, shape or form, but also like, I don't deserve better for doing this work. This work is, uh, making me better in the process of like doing it. Right. So like, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm owed anything at the end of the day. I feel like I'm becoming a better person by doing this work. I'm learning how to be, uh, of service to my community in a way that I didn't understand or know before. And, um, the benefit of that is surrounding yourself with really good people and yeah. uh that then you kind of you you have a support system in that sense you know what i mean and that's kind of where i'm at uh with this like i'm i'm happy to be uh doing this job and it's introduced me to a whole lot of people who i feel like are amazing and wouldn't be in my life if i would have continued to be a battle rapper or a rapper or, or a podcaster or whatever else I did. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
No, you're yeah. doing great, man. Um, you mentioned right before or right when we started or before we started the crisis going on. Just explain yeah. how bad it is, man, out there. Well, um, you have like a, a a lot of things working against you in the world of dog rescue, and um, and big respect to everybody who, in the world of cat rescue because that's a whole different job that is also crazy. Um, but the problems are different. The, the difference in dog rescue is is that you have multiple things that are working against you. Uh, for instance, the the breeder issue. Uh, people breeding dogs kind of indiscriminately for money and not taking into account the dog's pre-existing health conditions. So they're breeding a bunch of dogs that are going to have existing health conditions. The dogs that are most uh, susceptible to this kind of breeding are French bulldogs at the very top of the list, uh, yeah. pugs and English bulldogs. Those three dogs, the short face dogs. People are trying to make these dogs shorter in the face and shorter in the legs. And in the process, they're like creating these like little gremlin dogs that are guaranteed to have serious health issues. Super cute, right? That that dog can't breathe. Yeah. Oh, that's super <laughs> cute. You know, that that dog is guaranteed <laughs> to have joint issues because it's gonna weigh 50 pounds but its legs are six inches long like that no that's terrible dude like they're downbreeding these dogs and then like when these dogs develop these serious health issues like i said people can't afford a yeah. ten thousand dollar surgery for their dog so then it just becomes the problem of the shelter the problem of the rescue and it's funny that frenchies were you know number one dog in america people are paying thousands upon thousands of dollars for these dogs go to the shelter right now tell you what here there's a ton of frenchies in the shelter because they people buy them and they don't know what they're getting into with regards to the finances or like any other dog where they have behavior issues. If you don't train your dog, it's going to be rough to work with. You know what I mean? If you don't give it enrichment or intention. So uh, there's a lot of mean little sh uh, Frenchies in the shelter. You know what I mean? And like, it's, it's rough. And instead of adopting those dogs, people go out and buy from some dude in a parking lot. They'll hand over thousands of dollars, and then that's it. That guy's never going to answer your phone calls again when you call him back because your dog has IVDD because they've been breeding a dog that has a serious health issue that they don't care about because when the puppy's born, it's worth X amount of money. And now th that shit's so bad that people are stealing these dogs from people on the street. Like mm. wholesale, you're walking your Frenchie, and someone will run up and snatch that thing out of your hands. If it's a male and it's got a pair of nuts, they could use it for breeding. If it's a female, maybe it's fixed, maybe it's not. If it's not fixed, which most of them aren't because they're not purchased from shelters or rescues, then those dogs end up becoming, for lack of a better term, sex slaves yeah. used for breeding and then dumped like my boy Gus, who obviously because of his legs spent 18, 20 hours a day in a, in a cage with no uh, pad underneath, no no nothing to stand on but grates so his feet are all messed up and they're just sliding pee pads underneath let them out twice a day to poop maybe and then when they're done with them at three years old they tie them to a fence at a vet and that's that's someone who wants the dog to be found it's worse when they don't want the dog to be found that's just one issue the other thing is uh the spay neuter issue for four years out here the shelter's still, the San Jose Animal Care Center, million people live in this city. That shelter does not have the resources to fix dogs for people. Used okay. to fix dogs for people based on your area code. 
So no matter where you lived in San Jose, if you lived in North San Jose, basically if you lived in anywhere but a super rich area of San Jose, or if you had any pit bull or any chihuahua mix, they would fix your dog for free. All the way up until 2019. Pandemic hits, people leave, things never got back to normal. So uh, there's been no low cost or no cost spay or neuter option in this city for four years plus now. So we're talking, you know, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dogs born on accident born on the street those dogs end up in the shelter and the shelter is bursting at the seams what we have is we call a no kill shelter and that just means that they're not euthanizing dogs based on a time schedule but they are for space they have to there's no other way so if the dog is sick it's getting euthanized instead of getting treatment because they can't afford to treat it I am for the shelter. I'm filling up my van and driving dogs to a low-cost clinic in uh, Prunedale, an hour away, to get dogs for the shelter fixed because they can't adopt those dogs out until they get fixed. So, like, we need a mobile spay and neuter unit here that rolls up to the encampments. And every time I go to the encampments, homie, it's like a third world out there. There's just 25, 30 dogs running around off-leash eating garbage fucking just doing crazy yeah. shit and it's like oh like that that shit is overwhelming um and that you know and then and then and then on top of all that you have the rehoming issue where people think it's okay to get a puppy and then once that puppy becomes big and hard to I'm deal so, with oh, yeah, i gotta get rid of it i gotta drop it off at the shelter if the shelter won't take it i'll abandon it on the street so like you see we do a lot of courtesy posts because i don't take surrenders my mandate is to clear the shelters to get the shelter out of crisis mode so like i'm only pulling dogs from the shelter or intercepting dogs that are on the street that would be going to the shelter i can't take your responsibility away because you signed on for a commitment for that whole dog's life but after nine months 11 months a year and a half you decide oh he, he deserves better man fuck you people rehoming not a word it's just a shitty term that shitty people made up to get out of their obligations and those three compounding things have put us in a state where we are drowning in dogs like there's just there's not enough homes for the dogs that need to be adopted and plus we live in a place like san jose where shit's expensive and a lot of these places don't accept dogs a lot of the apartment complexes have breed restrictions have weight restrictions so like I don't man, I I don't know. <laughs> hey no, it's it's worse it's worse hearing it coming from you. Like yeah. uh, you know, here in New Jersey we probably deal with the same stuff. I just don't speak to any I guarantee yeah. you. I guarantee you it's just as bad in New Jersey. And the only reason it's not like in your face all the time is because A, you're not operating at the dog rescue, but B, it gets so cold out there in the winter that they can't be dogs on the street. They would just die, right? Yeah. So like yeah unfortunately yeah, hate to break it to you they are uh that's just the I, I i follow some of these other rescues that are operating in places where it gets freezing in the winter and it's fucking devastating dude uh i the worst i've ever seen is texas um uh like san antonio um uh all, all a lot of like the major cities in texas are dealing with like insane uh dog problems and it's a lot of the same shit. It's, it's all the same. It's people breeding indiscriminately. The breeders don't give a fuck. They don't care that they're passing on diseases. They don't care that they're taking up homes of dogs that are in the shelter that need them. 
all they care about is money. That's the bottom line for them. Any business that operates off making money off of dogs is not operating in the interest of dogs. For mm. fucking even like a lot yeah. of boarding facilities, to be honest, uh, you know, you got to really be careful about where you're putting your dog. But beyond that, like it's just it's it's a hard time to be yeah. in this business, and that's also why I, I think that even if I wanted to get out, my conscience wouldn't let me because yeah, I would just one less person doing this job. Yeah, and you're we, almost too far in at this point. It'd be like yeah. hard. Yeah. It's, it's a mob. Um, yeah. I, I do want to ask you, um, since you touched on that, um, with people getting glory and pay like for money, not in the best interest. Dogs, I saw you tweet a couple times. Um, you've been pretty outspoken against Mr. Beast and what he just did with the million dollar now for those who don't know mr beast is that youtuber or influencer whatever you want to call him and he does some like crazy shit on youtube and he tries things so he just recently posted he saved ten thousand dogs for one million dollars oh, or so no, what was no. it that would be that would be beyond acceptable and i would commend the shit out of that he okay a million dollars to get 100 dogs rescued yeah, and you were very outspoken against it. Yeah, for one hundred dogs. Now look, I this is important for people to understand. Okay, God bless him for trying, and uh, you know, getting a hundred dogs home. Right, a hundred dogs uh, for a million dollars. Dan, can I ask you if you got a check for one million dollars? Yeah, if you got a check for one million dollars, how many dogs would that actually save in your work? Well, I'll tell you what I would do. I wouldn't make a video of me and patting myself on the back for saving a specific amount of dogs. I would put programs in place like a spay and neuter program or helping the shelter build an extra building, something that would save thousands upon thousands of dogs over time but you know what that's not really entertaining with regards to like watching a youtube video you want to watch a hundred cute little puppies go from being in a warehouse to being in a home right and that's that's a lot more uh entertaining for a youtube video than like funding a mobile spay and neuter clinic and preventing thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dogs that there aren't room for from existing or building a extra building for the shelter probably cost you five hundred thousand dollars and then they can house another hundred dogs every month uh, every yeah. week you yeah. know what i'm saying you know how many dogs are euthanized in america every year something like three hundred ninety thousand dogs statistically are euthanized these are and eighty percent of those dogs are highly adoptable highly adoptable you're talking about six million dogs that go to shelters in america every year what the fuck is a hundred dogs do gonna do in the long run and i hate that i hate it i feel like a lot of people's responses was like well what is not good for the hundred dogs it, yes absolutely yeah. but it's in, in, incredibly misguided in the sense that yeah. if he would have consulted any rescue organization they would have pointed him in the direction of setting an initiative that would have saved thousands upon thousands of dogs over time because that's what we need we need ten thousand dogs to be saved we need twenty thousand dogs to be saved over the course of a year or two we need to create a system where dogs aren't dying in the street 
not a cute little video that where a hundred dogs get adopted. And mind you, you get ad revenue from, right. and you're probably going to make that million dollars back from right. that. I guess the only positive that I could really look at from that situation outside of the hundred dogs finding home, which here's the other thing. I've been in this business for a long time. Sometimes finding a home for a dog isn't permanent. How much follow through is what happens to those dogs? How many of those dogs are going to get returned to the shelter? How many of those dogs have pre-existing health, health conditions? he's not ever going to know about because he's moved on to some other fucking uh philanthropy for money fucking scheme where you're making a cosmetic fix to a systematic problem no idea right but what would have been way better is if he consulted a rescue and they said hey yeah man uh let's let's do a mobile spay and neuter unit and roll up on the homeless and get these dogs fixed and vaccinated not a sexy video but you're saving lots of dogs in the process I think what you're trying to say too, that I'll, I'll say it for you if you don't mind, is like he's a great influencer YouTube guy who has fun with things as far as like, oh, can I eat this? We ate a hundred Big Mac or things like that. But like yeah, when yeah. it comes to dogs and things like this in the country, like it's not a fucking game. Like yeah. he made a game out of it. And it's like, now I have not watched the video. I will say that. I read some comments saying that he did provide lifetime pet insurance to the people who adopted them, right? Yeah. Which is awesome. However, I also read that he paid the people to take them. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, he was giving twenty thousand yeah, dollars, which might be creating the worst problem. Yeah, like I would like you now. Anybody would just take them for twenty grand. Like you know, you yeah. got someone. Yeah, I need twenty grand. Sure, I'll take a fucking dog. I, 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 I know, like. This video was shot under like a time constraint. Like our adoption process is pretty thorough. We do a home inspection, right? And we, we get an application first. If they meet the criteria with the application, we do a home inspection and then we do a sleepover, which means that we allow these people to have the dog in their home for between three days and three weeks to figure out if it's a good fit before they decide to adopt. So that if it's not a good fit, that's fine. We take the dog back and set it up on another adoption meeting. We don't move on to the next dog until each dog has found a home. So we're not, you know, ending up with a pile of dogs from people back from sleepovers. But you have to give people an opportunity to figure out if a dog fits their life. Now, I'm sure that's not happening. But if you got $20,000 to keep the dog, maybe you're going to keep the dog. But maybe you're just keeping it in the backyard. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. It's yeah. It, that, like, you, you made a good point. It's not a game. Uh, it, you're talking about a, a systematic problem in America right now, right? It's like if you were like, we're going to get 100 people off drugs. And then like yeah. you're like, they're all clean and in rehab. And it's like, homie, do you understand the problem that you're dealing with? It's yeah. not a fix. And maybe those people are going to be right back on drugs. Maybe 100 more drug addicts are going to be on the street. Maybe it would have been better to build a facility to treat people for their drug problem instead of pretending like you solved the dog problem by finding a hundred dogs home and spending a million fucking dollars in the process. Homie, I've been doing, I, you know, four years on the books of dog rescue. I haven't cracked a million yet. You know, uh, our biggest year was 150 K, you know, uh, and that's money in money out straight money in money out. Uh, so like, you know, yeah, no, not, not even close 75% of that. And I've saved, way more than a hundred dogs and, yeah. and not just like 
state, and I, even that I fucking hate saying that. Like, I yeah, say yeah, 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 $100. yeah. Lame. I put a hundred more than a hundred dollars on the path of success, right? I tried to help way more than a hundred dogs, but I'm not gonna fucking put a crown of thorns on my head and tell you how many fucking dogs I saved because that's not what this job is about. I would chalk it up. I don't. I don't watch a lot of his stuff, but I. I would chalk it up that he's just young and enveloped in that lifestyle of not not being able. You know, we're he, from the era of like re, like they don't know reality and the internet type thing. You I know, think, I, right. I think it. I think that there's he's smarter than you think, and yeah. I think he knows how much ad revenue comes from those videos. I think he knows how many people love dogs. I think it's an, an incredibly misguided thing, and I think that maybe someone even told him hey man maybe you could spend your money on this and it would be much better to have this problem and he said yeah but that wouldn't really make a cool youtube video as much as taking a bunch of puppies and then putting them in people's homes i just don't think that anything is i don't think anybody that's that rich is that naive that's stupid so, yes i i yeah. hope no, you're wrong you know, i, I hope wrong. You're yeah wrong. I, he, he got into similar hot water when like he said he um cured like it, i think the phrasing of it was like the biggest issue but like he cured a hundred something people with blindness or something like he yeah. paid for their are like blind like, for, you know, for, like cataract surgery yeah um, which is like a it's a noble thing and i'll tell you what you're a lot closer to the mark with that than you are with the dog rescue thing because you're doing a specific procedure, right? right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, that, and that's helping those dogs. But, yeah. uh, sorry. No, it's yeah. okay. My phone's freaking out. There we go. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. When you, you're talking about like cataracts, you're doing a specific thing for a specific person, but that you're not curing their blindness. No. You're seeing yeah. the thing that's causing the fog over their eyes and giving them a better ability to see. But it'd be like if you paid for LASIK surgery for a uh, hundred people, they're gonna see better for five years, 10 years, maybe 20 years. But everybody's gonna go blind eventually, my man. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? It's like, don't say you cured some shit you can't cure. He built a hundred wells in Africa. Fucking awesome. Those wells aren't going anywhere, right? Like, and people are going to have water long right, time. Right. That. That's a much more uh, responsible effort, right? Than spending a million dollars to save a hundred dogs when a hundred dogs are going to end up back at the shelter in my city alone this month. Yeah. So when you tell me you saved a hundred dogs with yeah. what more money than I've ever spent in my life on this shit, uh, it's insulting. Because I do this work, I'm on the ground doing this work every day, and I know that any rescue organization would have told you, yo, man, there's a much better way to do this. There's a much better way to spend that money and help dogs long term instead of just creating a YouTube video that, again, ultimately, you're going to profit. <laughs> yeah. Dan, now I know you got to feed the dogs, so um, we'll yeah. Let you, yeah, we'll let you go. <laughs> I just want to count down. Uh, my personal top five dog movies of all time, if okay. you'd like to hear. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. so yeah, I got yeah, Beethoven, the original with Charles Grodin. Great, yeah, genius, yeah, great movie. Okay, this one might not be on people's list as it was forgotten. The movie Bingo, where the father oh, yeah. was, a, he was a field goal kicker for the Green Bay Packers. And the Denver <laughs> I don't know Broncos. that one. Yeah, um, my dog Skip with Frankie Muniz, very sad movie. Oh, and I, I combine Airbud one and two 
as a, as one, and then Homeward Bound one and two were phenomenal. Yeah. A sad moment when Shadow climbed out of that hole and met Peter at the end. Just a heartbreaker. I also got an honorable mention of All Dogs Go to Heaven and Benji, and I'll give okay. the TV dog. Happy. I'll give t the TV dog to Wishbone, <laughs> the guy, the little fucking Jack Russell who who taught us literature growing up. So, yeah. do you approve of those? I totally approve. However, like, and I don't want to fucking like ruin your. I go for it. It's yeah. I don't want to ruin your childhood, but like, remember what I said about like any business that is designed to make money off of dogs doesn't right. have dogs' best interest. True. Look at how many dogs. Oh God! Died in the process of making Homeward Bound. Oh God! I don't even want to look at that. Oh, <laughs> more than one. I don't want to look at that. Not Chance. More than one. Yeah, oh. dude. Yeah. They All just right, have well. to find another dog that looks like Chance, dude. You know what? I they, can't they probably look at... had a whole trailer full of Chances. I so can't... when they lost a Chance, <laughs> second go, oh, chance. Oh, oh, we lost a Chance. Bring out a new Chance. <laughs> oh, <me. laughs> oh, second and third Chance. Fourth Chance. It, <laughs> it just writes itself, man. It writes <laughs> itself. It's no good, dude. It's no good. <laughs> I would say any movie that like had a dog, an animal as a star, period, that animal uh wasn't well, least, wasn't living its best life. You know probably. what? At least old <laughs> yellow, at least at least old yellow showed us how it ended. Right? They were right, the only realistic right. yeah, ones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh there's a movie called The Dog's Life that's really good. Oh uh, yeah, uh, that's good. Yeah, yeah. More recent, and I feel like the dogs were probably treated better in the process of making that movie. But it's just like if you were like, Oh, these are my favorite horse movies. Oh, those yeah. horses are not living their best lives. <laughs> no, they're not. Yeah, but listen, I have to separate what was going on with my childhood here. Yeah, I know no. that. I know it, but. You gotta pick the cartoon dogs. Yeah, yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah. I went with Oliver and Company. What was I thinking? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, all dogs go to heaven for sure. And then also um, the one where Rodney Dangerfield is a dog. That, that movie was. Is um, was, that, awesome. uh, was that Oliver and Company or. Um, no, no, that's. No. that's uh, uh, I think you're talking about All Dogs Go to Heaven is the one with uh, uh, the all the third it. thing. Then I know what yeah, we're yeah. talking about around I, the danger field. Uh, I should have yeah. picked Pongo with uh, 101 Dalmatians. I could have went that there route. Go. And even yeah. that, it's like that lady was <sighs> making a dress out of those <laughs> yeah. dogs. Right. And then yeah. they made a movie where she was the the sympathetic the, star. You're like, yeah, actually, bitch goes on to kill dogs for clothes. How is how am I supposed to root for her? It was actually a good movie, though, Cruella. It actually oh, was a good man. movie. <laughs> I gotta give it, it was a good movie. Uh, Dan, where can we catch you before you go? Like, you just shout yeah. out like the Instagram and things like that. Yeah, so adopt my block on Instagram. You'll see the uh dog paw with the house over the top. That's us. Uh, our website is adoptmyblock.org. Um, donations are always appreciated there's a link to our patreon there if you want to support us monthly um yeah man uh we we live and die with uh, with the support of our uh people that hold us down i'm so grateful to all of the people that have become part of our rescue family either through adopting dogs from us or through donating to the rescue like you you guys don't understand how uh, much of a positive impact just a small donation has and you could always go to dogs dope.co and pick up one of those awesome hats like he's wearing uh we have really cool hoodies and t-shirts um i think i'm wearing one right now that's not a dog that's family um uh we're we're gonna come out with a whole bunch of new merch this year we're gonna have uh kids clothes we're gonna have a, a bunch of new hats so um that's a great way to support the rescue both by 
funding us and by spreading a really good message. You know, all dogs do love. 